0: Hello and welcome to the Music Survival Guide, the independent musician's guide on how to survive in the music industry. My name's Phil, I'm Mixing and Mastering Engineer with Vortis Sound Studios. So, great news of good joy, good news of great joy, one of those. It is 2021, it is officially, literally, actually 2021. That means, <laughs> state the obvious, 2020 is over. Hurrah, huzzah, we have made it. Now, it's worth saying, of course, that the first few months of 2021 are going to probably feel very similar to the last bit of 2020, but change is coming, a vaccine is around the corner, as you may well know, so gigs will return in time, sure, but things are going to change this year, this is going to be a much better year. By the end of it, everyone's going to be a lot happier, I think, genuinely, especially because there's going to be gigs, gigs are going to come back, and I expect, I think expect to be going to a gig, maybe by May time in 2021. So we'll see how that pans out. But that's my expectation and my hope. So this week, I thought I would vainly, very vainly, talk about myself, start the year by talking about myself. Not, well, not quite exactly myself, more about a mixing engineer in general. And what does a mixing engineer need from a band or an artist when they want to work with them? So it's about what does a mixing engineer want or what does a mixing engineer need when they're working with a client? So I've got here seven important things to consider when talking to a mixing engineer. And this is not including the hiring process. This is kind of once the hire has been done in a way. A few of the questions are going to be more said around the time of the hiring. But it's just important things to consider when you want to work with a mixing engineer. So here we go. Point number one is to manage expectations with your engineer. So you need to have a very frank conversation about the direction of your music, what your expectations are, and if there's any must-haves. So say, if you have a specific radio effect on the vocal at a certain point that you want to hear, that's an important thing to write down or let know because the mixing engineer isn't necessarily gonna know on first lesson that that's what you want to do. So make that very clear. It's important to chat about the direction and the expectations because it will set in the mind of the mixing engineer What they have to do and what this is going to be like so if you are say you're changing your genre slightly and any of your old music isn't necessarily going to help inform the mixing engineer what your new stuff is like that's a great thing to talk about anything like that whatever you feel is appropriate you also need to chat about if you have a specific deadline in mind that you are trying to meet as a band so if you are going into this expecting to have a three-day turnaround And your mixing engineer, say, is really busy right now and can do it, but will deliver to the mix to you in two weeks time. That's an important thing to have a conversation about really early on, probably in the hiring process, to be honest, because that will just not allow for any disappointments or miscommunications. Have a really frank and honest conversation about delivery date and when it's likely to be ready. Of course, you need to factor in time for revisions as well. But that's, again, just something to have a conversation about with your mixing engineer. So that's point number one, manage expectations with your engineer really early on. Thing number two is send over or suggest some reference tracks. So what have you been listening to as a band whilst you were recording or whilst you were writing? Who or what in your genre do you want to sound like? Say you want the drums to sound a very particular way, like a certain record. Give your favourite song from that record. Give that as a recommendation. Send the file if you can. That's really helpful. I'd say be careful with this. It's it's not a case of whatever your influences are send them over. If you're a screaming metal band and the singer really really loves and is inspired by Frank Sinatra, that's not going to be helpful. It needs to be stuff within the genre that you want to broadly sort of sound like. Make sure your make sure your reference tracks are appropriate and relevant to the genre of music that you're working in. But, you know, you can go a little bit outside of the the field if you want if you want your drums to sound more open and natural say like a rock drum kit you're more of a metal band that's a great thing to do what that's going to do is when the mixing engineer myself comes to sit down and mix a track i'm going to listen to the reference tracks and go right okay so they're going for that so say if they do want a really nice roomy natural kind of drum kit sound I'm going to know that the room mics are really important and I need to use those and I need to turn them up and make sure that they are working correctly in the mix so that's just a really great way of avoiding more and more revisions further down the line to be honest so thing number three is to delete tracks that you don't want in the song So if something is muted, if you're not wanting it, I don't need it, is is the honest answer. If you say you were spending time with a Moog or is it a Moog? I never remember what they're called. Moog or Moog. Anyway, a synth. If you're spending time with a synth and you're writing a part and you're like, oh, this is pretty cool. And then you kind of review it and go, no, this sucks. Don't send it to me. Really don't send it to me. If there's a question mark, if you're not sure and you want an outside opinion, sure, send it my way. Let me know that it's not something that you're 100% about within the song. And I will let you know genuinely what I think when I'm trying to mix it. But yeah, if you don't want it, don't send it basically (laughs) is the long and short of that. Number four is to name tracks logically. So what's logical to you may not be logical to me. So to me, if I say receive a load of drum kit, multi tracks, then I want them to be clearly named. So kick, maybe kick in, tom one, tom two or rack and floor tom, overhead left, overhead right, room, room left hi-hat things like that really obvious not messing about bass di bass amp if you've got those that's great things like brian guitar i've i've no idea what brian guitar is it may be logical to you but is it is it the main solo guitar is it just a background guitar is it a rhythm? I I don't know. And it's the it's little things like that. You're going to hear hear me talk about this a bit later. It's little things like that that's going to slow down my work as a mixing engineer and so we'll make the mix delayed for you. And it's just it's just little things that's going to make it so much quicker and so much smoother as a process. So that was the first four things that a mixing engineer needs and after this little break I'm going to talk about the final three. Yeah. Hello, hello. I'm interrupting my own break to ask a great favour of you. If you regularly listen to this podcast and you're not subscribed, then please, please, please do subscribe. It really helps me on the old Apple podcast ratings and it pushes up my podcast so more people can hear it and experience it and bask in its joy. And it also just helps me realistically work out how many people are listening, stats, things like that. So please do. That's really helpful, really simple. And you'll be able to see each and every episode as it pops up every week. Thank you, and on with the show. Hello, and welcome back. So I've covered points one to four, which is about managing your expectations with your engineer, sending over reference tracks, deleting anything you don't want to appear in song, and naming tracks logically. Now moving over to the, the more the exporting side of things, and how to present these tracks. It's really important, really simple things again, that are just going to save time, make the mix and the whole process quicker, less stressful for everyone involved. So, when exporting tracks, there's a few things to bear in mind. The best format to my mind, without shadow of a doubt, is WAV, or is it WAVE? WAV WAVE.wav. Let's agree it's called that at least. That's the best one to my mind it's lossless as opposed to mp3 files that are called lossy files yes that is genuinely what they're called uh basically it's the difference between an mp3 and a wav wavs are really high quality mp3s are a bit lower quality because if you export wavs it'll just chop bits of sound out that you won't be able to hear but you'll be able to sort of feel so i need to have as a mixing engineer the highest possible quality sound files with which to give you a high quality mix really really important that also if the door asks you if you want to normalise the tracks when you're exporting them, say no, just leave them as they are. Basically, as you have them, let it, let it be so. Give them to me. Also, it's critically important to make sure each and every file in the multitrack that you want to export is exported, and that all of those files start at the beginning of the song, so that if there's a guitar solo at 3 minutes 29 I can just drag the, say, 34 files into my door, and that solo is exactly the right point. The verse vocals are exactly the right point to the drums and I'm not sitting there trying to waggle things around until they work properly. It's just quicker and less stressful and it means it's exactly as you heard it is what I will be using to mix. Much simpler, much simpler. If you don't know how to do that, if that's a bit of a confusing thing to you, I would say look it up on your door how to export multi-tracks there will be a guide online for every single door that there is just go and have a look also as a mixing engineer i would love to have what i call the critical session information it's not as dangerous as it sounds Uh, i'd need the sample rate and the bit depth and the tempo basically to me that's the important information so the sample rate and the bit depth there's a lot of information i could give you about these things but it's not worth it basically it's the quality of sound that you are recording to. So as a mixing engineer, I need to have my session set up the same sample rate and bit depth as your recording session. If it's a different setup, it's not going to be optimal. It's not going to sound quite as good as it could. And that's just terrible. And it's going to be quicker if you relay that information to your mixing engineer additionally the tempo is a really great bit of information to share it means again that when i'm setting up the song i can tap it in and then the files will just basically be on the grid helpful and quick so for me when i use delays i've got a lot of them synced to the bpm of the door so if i want an eighth note delay then it's just set up and ready to go that again is just going to make my life easier it's going to make it quicker it's going to make the song sound better than if i'm sat there tapping out trying to work out what the bpm of the song is it's going to make it all quicker basically the final thing to do point seven is to organize your files and your information so if you're sending over multiple songs then please put them in separate folders it avoids potential confusion If you're, say, sending over four songs, give me four files within your, say, your Dropbox folder that you're using that denote. Instead of having them labeled, say, track one to four, and then you just have everything in one big folder and you go one kick drum, two kick drum. That's going to get messy and confusing quick. Keep it simple. Separate files. Hurrah. Happy life. (laughs) So I hope you found that information useful and helpful. I certainly think it will benefit a lot of bands to know this information ahead of time so that they're not kind of scrabbling around trying to work out why things are taking longer than they should when you're hiring a mixing engineer. As it's the beginning of the year, a lot of bands are thinking about putting out new music, music to kick off a new year, hopefully a better year to go, here we are, let's go 2021. And I thought about it and 2020 has been a difficult year. No one's been able to gig or very few bands have been able to gig since about March in the UK at least. And I was thinking about what can I do to actually help? What can I do to actually help the community, to help people find their way and to kick off 2021 in a good way? And so I've thought about it and I'm going to give you a free mix offer. Ooh. So the way this is going to work is super simple. The first three bands that reach out to me will get a single, mixed, and if you'd like it mastered, completely for free. It's as simple as that. All you need to do is email me, phil at vorticesoundstudios.com My email address can be found in the show notes. Maybe put something like free mix offer in the headline and then we'll have a chat and take it from there and we can go through some of the steps I've discussed in this podcast to kick off 2021 much better than 2020 with some new music that you're going to put out. I hope that's helpful to you. That's it for another episode of the Music Survival Guide, the first one of 2021. If you enjoyed it, then please do leave us a review. I really appreciate every single one of those. Really helpful. Again, as I said in the break, it posts us up the old charts and helps more people to find out about the podcast please also share it with any friends or bandmates if you thought it was useful and it's information they might need or find interesting i really appreciate every single one of you so if you're interested i've got a community on facebook called the music survival guide community really original name hop over there for chats about music and band life with other musicians and people in the industry anyway i will see you next time